Good morning, Storyside. Good morning, Storyside. You can be seated. What an honor and privilege to be standing here with you today to share the word of the Lord. How many love the presence of God that we feel in the house? Didn't our worship team do a great job of leading us into God's presence this morning? And I know we've already talked about camp, but man, that video has me fired up. I was watching the students, and the mud wars are fantastic, and everything else they did, but I watched them linking arm in arm around those altar experiences, those special moments where God, where they're praying together, praying for each other, and those are moments that are going to live with them for the rest of their life. I know we've already gave a shout out to the students and the church, but let's give a shout out to every volunteer, every staff member that served this week for our students here. I also want to take a moment and welcome our online audience. I know I was able to see just a moment ago that Vanessa Anthony has joined us online, Lauren Martin, Rusty and Kathy Gilbert, Sarah Cobb, Ray and Jenny Hoskins. Would you take a moment, put your hands together and welcome everybody joining us online this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Now, some of you are still like trying to figure out who is this guy? Where is Pastor Micah at, and who is the imposter up there? And uh, so some of you probably brought a VIP for the very first time. You're like, Pastor Micah's amazing. You're going to love it. And you get here, and you're like, oh, great. <laughs> well, my name is Justin. we got a picture of my family, I think. My wife, Tiffany, our boys, Parker, who is nine, and Nixon, who is three, just made StorySide our home over the last few months. I'll tell you this much. We just moved to Ohio from New York City, and we were blessed to find StorySide. We drive about an hour on Sundays, and I don't say that to pat ourselves on the back. I say that because this is an amazing place. We have amazing pastors, and it's worth the drive to come. Do you love your church? Do you love Pastor Micah, Pastor Angel, our pastoral team? Absolutely. Oh. Pastor Micah is out of town speaking this weekend, and uh, so as I began to think about his travel, um, I was reminded of a story I heard about a guy. Um, he was going to fly with this particular airline, and they took his suitcase and they lost it, and he was really frustrated. It took him a few days, a few weeks of dealing with the airline, trying to find his suitcase. They never did find it, so he went, got a lawyer, and he wanted to sue the airline for losing it. Uh, but the lawyer told him that he didn't have a case. And so <laughs> it's not funny. All right, Pastor Micah will have a better joke for you next week, I promise you. But I had to at least attempt. We got baggage up here, Pastor Micah's traveling this week. I was reminded of a personal story, pardon the personal story. But a few years ago, my wife and I were living in West Virginia. Anybody from West Virginia in the house? All right, I got a great response. I got one hand raised right here. They were excited about that in first service this morning. We, uh, we were living in West Virginia. At that time, I was traveling the nation, uh, speaking at events, evangelizing different churches. And uh, we had an apartment. We just moved out of it. We put all of our stuff in storage. Uh, we were getting ready to move into a new place, but it wasn't ready yet. It was going to be a couple of weeks. And uh, this was on a Sunday, and I was supposed to speak at an event on Friday in Missouri. And my dad called me. My parents live in Missouri. My dad owns a construction company. 
And uh, he told me, he said, why don't you come in early, come in on Sunday evening. He said, you can help me with this construction job all week and then speak at the event on Friday, make a little extra money. And uh, so it was a last minute trip. I went to the storage unit. I grabbed this black duffel bag that was laying right in front. I threw some clothes in the center of it. I bought a last minute one-way ticket to Missouri. Tiffany takes me to the airport, the Charleston Yeager International Airport. Sounds big. It actually is just a tiny hole in the wall. And uh, we pull in there. We go inside. We're early, like 45 minutes early. And uh, they only have one security line. So it only takes a couple of minutes to get through. There's one security guard there. And so we sat down. We chatted for a few minutes. And and I know I shouldn't have done it. um, But I whispered to her and I said, if I was a terrorist... um, (laughs) I know, <laughs> warped sense of humor, I guess. <laughs> I said, I, I, would, I would come here to this airport and smuggle whatever through. It's one small security line. Barney Fife is over here checking bags. That's it. And I'll fly to Chicago O'Hare and be on the other side of security. And, and I was like, that, that's how it should be done. And she's like, stop it. You know, she's like distancing herself from me. And it came time for me to go through security, and she leaves. She tells me bye. She's going back to her parents' house to stay for a couple days, and she's going to join me later in the week. And uh, so I go through security, take my duffel bag. I walk through the the screener, and I get on the other side, and uh, Barney has an issue with my bag. And uh, he's, like, looking at it, scanning it, and he's like, hmm, hmm. And then he gets on his mic, and he's like, Mark, could you come and join me for just a moment here? And so there's, like, 20 people in line behind me. It's a small airport. We're all on the same flight. And uh, so we wait on the next guy to come, and, and they're looking at my bag on the screen. And Mark's like, yeah, pull that bag out. So they pull my bag out. They open it up. They pull out all my clothes out of the center of it. And I'm like, okay. They get done with that. And then they open, like, the side compartment in the duffel bag. And when they did, they they pulled out this little black bag, and my heart sunk because I knew what was in that little black bag. Um, It was my 380 Kel-Tec pistol (laughs) that was fully loaded, like one in the chamber, locked, loaded, and ready to go. And uh, at this point, I knew we probably had an issue, and I wasn't really sure, like, how big of a deal it was going to be, but I knew it was going to be a deal. And uh, what I found out is Charleston International Airport, they've got pretty good security. Um, <laughs> they brought like 25 more officers out around me, surrounded me, and uh, they pulled that pistol out. At this point, the people behind me, like we're all on the same flight, they're gasping like terrorists. I can't believe that guy was on our plane. He was going to shoot somebody. And Security guards are taking the bullets out one by one, and they're like hitting the metal table, like ching, ching, you know, it's dropping on, it's bouncing off. They're taking pictures of the weapon, the bullets, and uh, the security officer, he said, uh, would you mind joining us? I was like, I thought you might ask that question. And so, like, we walked to this back private room, you know, nice accommodations, had like a little nice mirror there, and uh, we sat down, and these two security guards, they they uh, had a nice conversation with me for like an hour and a half or so. And the first question they asked me is, who did you want to kill? And I was like, I, I didn't want to kill anybody. And they're like, well, who did you want to shoot? I was like, I didn't want to shoot anybody. And, and, and so they're wanting to know all of this information about me. They asked me what I did for a living. I told them I was a pastor. And uh, so the guy's like religious, okay. And uh, he said, when is your return ticket? I was like, well, I bought a one-way ticket. And he's like, I, and... Uh, I tried to explain to my wife is driving. He's like, okay. He's like, uh, well, he's like, tell me, what's your home address? I was like, well, we just moved out of our home, and I got everything in storage at the moment. He's like, I, and so he's like, he's like checking this off, and, 
And after having like an hour and a half conversation with the nice security guard, I'm texting Tiffany, by the way, like they, they let me keep my phone. I guess they were monitoring my texts. I don't know. I was like, hey, by the way, try to take a gun on the plane. They stopped me. I'm having a conversation. I might need a lawyer, a friend or something. You stand by. She texts back, laugh out loud. And then she lays down and takes a nap, turns her phone off for the next, <laughs> for the next five hours. Yeah. And... Um, so anyways, after the nice security guards and I talk, then I find out that the local sheriff and some deputies come in, and we have a very similar conversation. Uh, and then, I mean, I guess I knew this in the back of my mind, but that's like a federal offense. And so the FBI joins us for a nice conversation after that. And uh, it was like a five-hour ordeal. And uh, you guys are like, do we run background checks on the people who are speaking here on Sundays? Like, where did Pastor Micah find this guy in? They did not arrest me. They believed my story. They let me go free. I'm standing here today without a prison record. Thanks be to the Lord. But it was a big ordeal. And I found out in that moment that I had a ticket to walk through a door that some of my baggage was not allowed to go through. I found out that there are times in life that your baggage can keep you from boarding the plane to your next destination. And so I want to talk to us today for just a few moments about baggage, baggage. There is a story in the book of Luke chapter 18. I'd like to read verses 35 through 42. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. The Bible says, Jesus was coming near Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the side of the road begging. He heard many people going by and asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was going by. Then he cried out and said, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. The people spoke sharp words to him and told him not to call out, but, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and told the people to bring the blind man to him. When the man was near, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? He answered, Lord, I want to see Jesus said to him, then see, your faith has healed you. One of the things that immediately jumps out in this story to me is the fact that when you get in the presence of Jesus, anything can happen. When Jesus is invited into the room and given free reign to move and his presence is there, anything is possible. I believe that. We believe that as a church this morning. Regardless of the issues you carried in today, Jesus has the power to rewrite your story today. Do you believe that story side? He has beauty for ashes. He has strength for our weaknesses, hope for hopelessness. He has promises for us, but here's the reality. In order for us to receive what he has for us, we must be willing to lay down what we've carried into this place. Have you ever overpacked for a trip? You put too much in and then you get to the gate agent and they're like 52 pounds and you're like, I don't have another bag. I don't have anything to take out. So you're like unpacking the suitcase in front of like 50 people standing there. And you got your clothes going everywhere. And you're trying to find the heaviest thing in the bag just to take out. We have a tendency in life, I think, to pack what God has asked us to put down. We have a tendency to take some things that maybe are in our life for a season. And we have a tendency to put them 
in our bag and carry them with us throughout the rest of our life. There's another portion of scripture, Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. Mark is telling the same story about the exact same guy as Luke does, but he writes it just a touch different. He says, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Now, when Luke writes the story, he doesn't even mention the guy's name. He's like, there was a blind beggar, Jesus does something for him. Mark at least takes time to call him Bartimaeus, but, but Mark writes it this way, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. We know him today. What do we call him? We call him blind Bartimaeus. The reality of it is his issues became greater than his identity. The things that happened to him in life, the things that happened around him, the things he picked up, they became more of a focal point than who God had created him to be. The reality of it is the enemy does not have the power to destroy you. If he could kill you, he would kill you. The enemy doesn't have the power to destroy you, but he does have the ability to distract you. And if he can put some stuff in your life uh, that can cause you to lose focus on who you are, whose you are, and what you were created to be, then he can destroy the purpose uh, that God has placed in your life. Psalm 139 verse 14 says this, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. The reality of it is this. God made us wonderful. He made us beautiful. He knows how many hairs or lack thereof are on our head. He knows every fiber of our being. He knows our emotional state. He knew what would happen to us before he ever formed us. Uh, yet in spite of all of this, he called us, he loved us, uh, and he gives us grace and mercy for the road. You know what that tells me? That tells me that my identity in Christ uh, is greater than the issues that life has cast at my feet. That tells me that God literally can turn my life around and that my, my struggles in life were never meant to define me. That divorce wasn't meant to define you. Bankruptcy wasn't meant to define you. Addiction wasn't meant to define you. No, only God can define who we are. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 say it this way, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. He's saying for so long you carried all of these issues and those issues tried to steal your identity, but God's mercy stepped in. God's grace stepped in. God's love stepped in and said, no, your identity in Christ is greater than the issues you're dealing with in life. The reality of it is we're all going to go through struggles. We're all going to have some baggage. We're all going to have some pain in life. 
But God has called us to repurpose that pain so that pain can get us to the promise that God has for us. There's a small town in Alabama called Enterprise, Alabama. Anybody from Alabama in the house? I, I didn't think so. I thought I'd try. Enterprise, Alabama was known for growing cotton. Like Everybody in the city grew cotton. And a few years ago, 40, 50 years ago, they had this plague of this little insect called a bow weevil. And the bow weevil destroyed every field that was growing cotton. And when you live in Enterprise, Alabama, and you're a farmer, literally you take everything out of the bank and you put it in the ground. And if it doesn't come, the harvest that you are expecting, it affects every area of your life. Now, you would think the people in Enterprise, Alabama would be thinking, let's move somewhere different. Let's, let's just call it in. Let's call it quits. Our life is over. This isn't working. That's not what they did. They called a town hall meeting, and they had this discussion. They said, what is something that the bow weevil cannot destroy? Something the bow weevil isn't interested in. And they found out that bow weevils do not like peanuts. So they decided that they would plant peanuts. And today, Enterprise Alabama is one of the leading peanut producers in the entire United States of America. So much so that they built a monument of the bow weevil in the middle of their town. Well, that's a funny story. The reality is, though, they took something that caused them pain, something that was sent to destroy them, but they repurposed it and stepped into a greater promise because they didn't settle for what life had given them. Bible says this, Luke 18, 35 to 37. Let's read it again. Jesus was coming near Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the road begging. He heard many people going by and asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was going by. Now Bartimaeus, he, he's wearing this, this beggar's coat. They gave him this, this coat. And he would put this on because literally everybody who saw him in this coat knew that he wasn't like everybody else. He's got a few more issues than some people. He, he can't go out and earn his own living, and he, he needs to beg for money. He realized that he needed help, and Bartimaeus would sit on the side of this road with his cup in hand, and he would ask for handouts. He would ask for donations, and people would help Bartimaeus just get through the day. Jesus understands that Bartimaeus cannot come to where Jesus is. He understands that Bartimaeus is limited to his corner, and he, he's not going to venture out very far. He can't see to go forward. Uh, so Jesus comes to where Bartimaeus is. And when Jesus comes by, there's such a great crowd that comes with him uh, that it causes a commotion that even the blind man realized there's something going on today. There's more people here than what there normally are at this time of day, this day of the week. I don't know what's happening, but I know that something is going on. You see, God has to get our attention before he can ever give us our assignment. He has to send something our way, a commotion, an interruption into our life to get our attention so that he can give us our assignment for the next step in our life. And Bartimaeus is sitting there. He's got all of this going on. And he begins to hear the commotion. So he asks, what's happening? And, and they say, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. 
when Bartimaeus hears this, he realizes that he needs to respond. He doesn't know exactly how to respond. He doesn't know exactly what to say. But I love the fact that Bartimaeus, we'll just call him Bart from here on out. I love the fact that Bart is ready to be vulnerable. There's a large crowd here. There's a lot of people, some I know, some I don't know. And I've got issues, and I, I could try to hide them. I, I could try to pretend like I don't have them. But Bart says, no, nah, you know what? I've got problems. I've got issues. I know that I do, and I'm just going to be honest about it. So he cries out, Jesus, uh, thou son of David, uh, have mercy on me. You see, God is not calling us to have vision that we don't currently have, but he is calling us to use our voice. I might not be able to see what God has in store for me, but he has given me a voice uh, to cry out to him. Uh, and instead of trying to figure out what I don't have, I'm going to use what God has placed uh, in my life uh, because God's been trying to get my attention. Uh, and if I can get God's attention, maybe something special can happen here today. You come in here on Sunday. And there's a great atmosphere here, beautiful buildings, smiling faces, worship band does a great job, preacher tells a halfway decent joke, and all of a sudden you could go home the same way that you came and feel a little bit better about yourself. You see, Bartimaeus could have decided, there's a big crowd here today. This means I'm going to make more money today than what I normally make on this given day of the week. Blessings are going to happen today just by virtue of the crowd being here. My life's going to be a little bit better. But Bartimaeus questions in his heart, what if a little bit better isn't the goal? What if God wants to do a miracle in my life today? What if God literally wants to rewrite my story today? So my question for you, StorySide, is what did you come for on this Sunday morning? Did you come just to check a box that, hey, I feel a little bit better about myself this week? Went to church? Did, did you come just to say that maybe by going to church on Sunday, maybe God will bless some area of my life a little extra this week because I was in church on Sunday? Or did you come with an open heart that says, God, if you literally want to rewrite my story today, if you want to radically change who I am and where I am, if you want to do a miracle in my life, I'm open to that this morning. You see, the reality is God does not call us to get there in one moment. He simply calls us to take the journey with him. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 talks about a great cloud of witnesses that comes around us and cheers us on. What this means is that there are people who have lived and died in the faith who've gone on before us and they're like applauding saying, you can make it, you can do it. You don't have to get there first. You just have to arrive at the destination. You could say today, hey, you know what, I'm new to faith and I don't have all this figured out. I don't have the lingo and I don't serve on the dream team yet and I'm not sure about these next steps and I, I don't know about all of this. You weren't called to get there first. You were simply called to take a next step and arrive at your destination. Psalms tells us this, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord. You were not called to run, get there first or get there at one time, but we were called to take a next step. So every one of us in the house today have a next step. I, I don't know what that is for you today. Maybe your next step was simply showing up today. Maybe you've never been to church or never at least been to StorySide or maybe it's been a really long time since you've been to church and the very fact that you're here today, it was a step in the right direction. May, maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus 
Or maybe it's been a really long time and you just need to recommit your life to him today. And maybe for you, that's your next step. Maybe somebody's been here for a long time and you've been thinking about serving on the dream team or getting involved in some other capacity. Maybe that's your next step. I don't know what your next step is, but I do know that every single one of us are called to take a next step today. If we aren't careful, though, we will hear Jesus give us these assignments, challenges us with next steps, and we'll be like, ah, not today. You know, maybe next week, Jesus will probably pass by again. Maybe I'll get more involved then. But if we don't walk in his principles, we'll always be in need of his miracles. If Bartimaeus never called out to Jesus, if he never took the steps that Jesus instructed him to take, he would have still been blind and constantly in need of a miracle. But when he started walking in principles, the miracle followed after it. You see, the reality is we all have baggage. Every one of us have bags. Even on a good trip, if you pack perfectly, you, you still take the bag. It's, it's not the bag that's the problem. The, the problem is what's in the bag. H how many are an overpacker here? Like, you, you tend to overpack a little? Okay. Thanks for being honest. I'm with you. I'm in that camp. How many are a really light packer? And then you get there and you're like, I don't have enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of you aren't being honest this morning, but that's okay. I, I have a tendency to be an overpacker, so like I, I, I like to be prepared, like snowstorm, or if we're going to the beach, doesn't matter, I'm going to be ready for both, right? You never know when there is a spontaneous moment to go play a round of golf, so we're going to throw the golf shoes in there too. It doesn't matter what it is, we're going to be prepared for it. Now, it drives my wife Tiffany crazy. Um, she tends to be an underpacker, and so we have that one suitcase that is bulging, and then we have that other suitcase that's really, really light. And it's not whose you think it would be, but the reality of it is what we have in the bag is the problem. Now, I remember after we got married, we'd been married for about a year, and uh, we went back to my parents' house for a quick trip. And right before we left town, my mom brought up this box, and she was like, hey, uh, I got this box of your stuff you might want to take with you. So I opened the box right there. I was going through it. There's some cool stuff in it. And at the bottom of the box, I found this corduroy jacket, this brown corduroy jacket. I put it on. I looked good, y'all. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was good. I slipped it on, and I walked into the other room, and Tiffany was there, and she said, what is that? <laughs> I said, I know, right? I had the same response. She said, no, no, no. She said, take that off. I said, this is my jacket. She said, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. So uh, the jacket made it into our suitcase back to West Virginia. And uh, we arrived on like a Tuesday, Wednesday night. We were headed to church. She got ready. She was in the living room. I was going to finish getting ready. And I came out of the bedroom with that corduroy jacket on. <laughs> she shook her head and she said, no, you don't. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, I'm going to wear this. She said, no, you're not. And I realized, I'd only been married a year, but I realized you pick your battles, you pick the mountain you want to die on. This was not the mountain I wanted to die on that day. So I took that jacket off. I slipped into church. Guys, you're laughing. You know what I'm talking about, though. I slipped into church without it. The, the next week, we had a dinner party with some friends, and she went over early to help set it up, and I came in a little late. I went to the house to get dressed, was ready to go, was getting ready to walk out the door. I opened the closet, and there was that brown corduroy jacket. Well, I slipped that jewel on, put it on, showed up at the party, walked in looking good. She was across the room. Our eyes met. I wish I could tell you it was like love across the room. She does like a double take, and she's like, oh, my word. 
Like, we didn't hang out much that night. Like, she did her thing. I did my thing. We went home. A few days later, we had another event. I was going to wear that jacket because I love that jacket. And I went to look in the closet. I couldn't find it. Um, so I went to Tiffany. I was like, hey, have you seen my corduroy jacket? I hung it in the closet. She's like, that's strange. She's like, did maybe it fall or something? I was like, I, I don't know. I checked everywhere in there. Like, it's not in there. She's like, I, I don't know. So like 12 years later, we never did find the corduroy jacket. Um, she says she didn't, but... <laughs> Just, I just need this moment to like, get this out, right? Like this is, this is the Lord's ministering to me right now. You see, the reality of it is sometimes we pack things we don't need to take. Like this jacket, for example. This is my son's jacket. This is Parker, my nine-year-old. This is his jacket. Parker likes to dress up. Like he's ready to go suit and tie for lunch at McDonald's. Like it doesn't matter. Like, he just likes to dress up. At one point in my life, I fit in this jacket probably. I, that's hard to believe. I, I probably at one point in my life. But it'd be a little weird if I was still trying to wear this jacket today, right? Like, like first of all, I don't think I could even try. We won't do that. Um, it would be a little weird if I was still wearing this jacket. The reality of his life gives us moments that were supposed to only last for a season. But some of us keep carrying them with us, and we never quite grow out of them. And they hang with us for a lifetime. I, I, I'm talking about some tough seasons. I'm talking about maybe a season of addiction, a season of sickness. How about a season of frustration or anger? Things that happen to us, jackets we wore for a little while, but we should have grew out of and overcome, but, but they're still hanging around. It's not just bad seasons, though. I think even sometimes good seasons we let live too long. Anybody ever still wear that Letterman jacket that you lived in? Like, 20 years ago? Don't raise your hand. We are defined by seasons that happened a long time ago, and it's still the best moment of our life, and God's like, yeah, that was a great season, but, but I've got something more for you, but you've got to let this jacket go in order for me to give you another jacket. You see, the reality of it is, I, I, I have a shirt at the house that came from that same box that corduroy jacket came from, and it's still hung with us all these years. And about three months ago, Parker found it. And uh, he slipped it on. And he's been wearing it around the house for like the last three months. Because it fits him now. You see, if I don't overcome some jackets, if I don't grow out of some coats, if I'm not careful, my kids will put the same coat on. And they will deal with the same struggle I dealt with because I never won the battle for them. I don't know about you, but I want to win some battles that my kids don't have to face. I want to overcome some stuff my kids don't have to fight. There, there's another jacket in here. These jackets, you know, they're problems, they're, they're seasons, they're, they're issues of our life. And some of the issues, they're not even your issues. Like some of us are wearing coats that don't even belong to us. It's too big for me. It's not my size. It doesn't fit me. This coat wasn't made for me, but it was there. I picked it up. I slipped it on, and now I'm wearing it, and God can't give me the coat he has for me because I picked up somebody else's coat that I was never designed to pick up. Psychology has this term called triggered. 
it's going around kind of right now as a fad. People are like, I'm triggered about this, I'm triggered about that. They're locked, they're loaded, they're scrolling through Facebook and they see somebody else's problems and they can't avoid a good argument. So they jump in head over heels and they're arguing with somebody on the other side of the internet that they don't even know who they are and they're frustrated and they're angry and it upsets their entire day because they slipped on somebody else's issues. What about somebody else's calling, somebody else's purpose? We look at other people's life, and if we're not careful, we can covet it. We can want their house and their car, their spouse, their job, their money, their calling, their career. And God has this wonderful, amazing calling and purpose for our life. But because we go through life trying to wear somebody else's coat, God can't give us the coat that was designed for us. How about... How about another coat? See, these first two coats are kind of just life. Coats that at some point we deal with in life. How about this third jacket? This coat's dark, it's black, it's hooded, it, it symbolizes fear. This is a coat the enemy tries to put on us. Fear is not of God. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. But every one of us deal with fear at some point in our life. And if we can't overcome this coat, if we don't grow out of this coat, if we don't refuse to wear this coat, fear will paralyze us. Fear will hold us hostage. Fear will keep us in a season when we've been called to step into a new season because we are afraid to take our next step. Nixon, my three-year-old, he talks to himself, um, like, all the time, carries on conversations. Like, we'll hear a bang in the house. We know, like, he got hit with something. He'll be like, are you okay, Nixon? He'll be like, yes, I'm okay, Nixon. He'll be like, thank you, Nixon. You're welcome, Nixon. Has the whole conversation by himself. Well, we got this little monitor for his room, so we lay him down in his room, and I had the monitor. I was listening the other night. We just laid him down. He said, it's dark, Nixon. He said, you're scared, Nixon. He said, yes, I'm scared, Nixon. He said, it's going to be okay, Nixon. He said, okay, thank you, Nixon. He said, you're welcome, Nixon. Has, has this whole conversation about fear and about scared of the dark. There's other times, though, when he can't talk himself out of it, and he calls for me. He'll say, Daddy! And, and I go running into the room, and, and I wrap my arms around him, and I say, buddy, Daddy's here. Everything's going to be all right. There's nothing to be scared of. And then I pray over him, and then we lay back down. I'm able to help him overcome his fear, because I've overcome my fear of the dark. If I was still living with that same fear in my life, there's no way I could help people around me overcome. There are some jackets that we were just never meant to wear. This is a jacket that the enemy does his best to put on every single one of us. How about this next one? Some of you are like, how many jackets does he have in there? How, about, how many issues do we have? This next jacket, I used to wear this jacket too. I have a thing for jackets like corduroy and you know things like this. Uh, my wife hated this one too. Um, it has patches on it. I think that's pretty cool. She thought it looks like a lumberjack is what she told me. So I, I don't know. This jacket though is, is not from the enemy, I don't think. This jacket's from other people. This jacket's patched up because it's been broken. This jacket symbolizes hurt. And every one of us have slipped this jacket on at some point in life. Maybe it was that divorce, or that spouse did you wrong and cheated on you. 
Maybe it was that business deal that you were cheated on and lost money and it turned out bad. Maybe it was a person who violated you or hurt you. At some point in life, we've all wore this jacket. Here at StorySide, it's amazing. We have 17 different religious backgrounds in the room on any given Sunday. That's incredible. But sometimes that comes with some religious hurt. Some of us have been hurt in the name of the church or in the name of God. And some of us have wondered, like, will I ever trust church or God again because I've been hurt? This is a jacket you didn't pick out at the store. This isn't a jacket you wore because you wanted to wear it. This is a jacket somebody else put on you. But if you're not careful, it can be tough to take this jacket off. It can be tough to lay this jacket aside. And if we're not careful, we will get stuck in this jacket and we will wear it for the rest of our lives. We weren't called to wear hurt forever. I want to talk to you about one more jacket. And to me, this is... This is the one we probably struggle with more than any. This jacket's dirty. It's messed up. Smells a little. It's kind of disgusting. It's a jacket of shame. This is not a jacket I don't think the enemy can put on us alone. It's not a jacket that other people can put on us alone. This This is the jacket we put on ourselves. Because we have regret. We have remorse. We're frustrated about those choices we made, about some of the mistakes we made in our past. And some of us slip on this jacket, and every time we want to do something for God, every time we want to receive something from God, we're reminded constantly of this jacket and of the filth of our past, and we don't feel worthy enough to receive the promise from God. There's a story in the Bible about a man named David. Maybe you've heard of him. Psalmist, king, lion, bear, giant killer, David. When I think of David, I'm like, dude, he's pretty awesome. You know what David said he saw when he looked in the mirror? He tells us. He said, when I look at my life, he said, my sin is ever before me. This guy who you and I call a hero, he says, all I see is my shame. All I see is my filth. And if we're not careful, we will live in this jacket. And as long as you have this on, you cannot receive what Christ has for you it's impossible because his very nature died on the cross for us so that he could take this jacket from us and give us a brand new jacket but if we refuse to let it go then his work on the cross cannot be demonstrated in our lives because we're hanging on to a jacket we were never meant to live in there's a story in the bible about a man named Joseph. Maybe you've heard of him. Joseph had a coat of many colors. Old Testament Genesis, his father gave him this coat of of many colors, and Joseph was proud of this coat. He wore it everywhere. It was a good coat. symbolized love. It symbolized a good season in his life. But one day, his brothers tore the coat off of his back, stole it from him, and sold him into slavery. Joseph didn't want to let go of the coat, But he was getting ready to step into a new season of his life. And one thing I have learned from reading scripture is that every new season requires a new coat. And Joseph has this coat that his brothers take from him and sold into slavery. Now he's living in Egypt. And while in Egypt, he gets a new coat. We don't know who gives him the coat, but we know he has one. 
Because while he's in Egypt, he's elevated to second in command of Potiphar's house. He is a servant, but he's like the leader of the servants, and life is as good as it can be. He didn't get his miracle. He's not living in his purpose, but at least he's happy, and at least he's here. Some of us live right there in our life. Some of us had a calling early on, had a purpose, had these dreams from God. It didn't go the way we thought it would go, and we've slipped on another coat, and we're like, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I thought I would be, but, it, but at least I've got breath in my body and you know, a little bit of happiness, and I'll just wear this coat forever. Well, God sent Potiphar's wife, the enemy sent her, life sent her, whatever your theology doesn't really matter. Potiphar's wife comes through, tries to seduce Joseph into laying with her. Joseph runs out of it, and Potiphar's wife grabs his coat and takes the coat of that season from him. He's cast into prison, and while in prison, he's given another coat by the jailer, and now he's just an inmate. He's just another jailer with a coat that matches everybody else's, and this is certainly not where he thought his life would end up. But over the course of time, God uses him, God elevates him, and Pharaoh has a dream. He needs Joseph to come interpret it, and Joseph gets called from prison to the palace, and watch what happens. The first thing Joseph does is changes his coat. There are some coats in life that maybe family, friends, people around us will take. There are some coats in life the enemy may take from us. But ultimately, if we're going to step into the purpose that God has given us, there are coats we have to lay down for ourselves. Mark, one more verse of scripture, Mark chapter 10, verses 49 and 50. When Jesus heard him, Bartimaeus, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, Come on, he's calling you. Isn't that amazing? These people who at the beginning were telling him, be quiet. When Jesus started to do a work in his life, they're like, cheer up, he's calling you. Because when God does a work in your life, it has a tendency to affect the people around you, and your haters can turn into helpers once Jesus gets involved. They're like, come help us. Watch what he does. He gets up and he throws his beggar's coat aside. Jesus has not said, I'm going to heal you. He hasn't said, I'm doing a miracle for you. He hasn't made any promises to him. He simply invites him into his presence and invites him to come. But Bartimaeus knows that with Jesus in the house, miracles can happen. And Bartimaeus walks to Jesus with anticipation that I'm not going to need this old coat anymore. He has a better outcome for my future. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but, but I do know that there are coats in this room that we're wearing we're all in different seasons of life, but every one of us are wearing something. And maybe it's something that God's called you out of. Maybe it's something that God's wanted you to put down for a little while now. And you've been wearing it and holding on to it. Can I tell you that he's got a promise for you? He's got a future for you. He's got good things in store for your future. But you're going to have to let some stuff go in order to receive what he has for you. I could take you through scripture. We could talk about Adam and Eve who sin and they're naked in the garden. What does God do? He gives them a brand new coat. We talk about Joseph and he gets a new coat for a new season. And Zechariah, there's a story of this man called Joshua. And Joshua stands before God. He's in filthy garments. And the first thing that God does, it says, give him a clean coat. In the New Testament, there was a man possessed with devils. They called him Legion. The Bible says he ran around naked. But after a moment with Jesus, the Bible says he was clothed in his right mind. Where did he get the clothes? 
I've always wondered that. The Bible doesn't tell us. So I'll give you Justin's version. When Jesus hopped on that boat to sail to where Legion was, I think he knew Legion would be there. And he's like, hey guys, somebody pack an extra coat because there's going to be a man who needs a change of coats today. We talk about Bartimaeus laying aside his coat. Of course, we could talk about one of the most famous instances of coats in the Bible, the prodigal son who squanders everything, runs from the father's house, but when he returns home, the father has a brand new coat. Isaiah 61 tells us for the spirit of heaviness that we can slip on the garment of praise because God always has a new coat for you. Today I got one more coat in the bag. It's a story side jacket. I love this jacket and everything it represents because it represents community. It represents faith. It represents new opportunities. It represents new seasons. It represents grace. It represents mercy. It represents the love of God in our life. And there's no judgment here. There is no shame here. This is a safe place where you can come in and simply say, I've been wearing a coat that I think I should have put down a long time ago. I feel the Holy Spirit here right now. I feel the Holy Spirit in a very powerful way right now. Our help just stepped into this room. There's somebody who's been carrying something for a very long time that you weren't certain you were able to put down. But today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you're going to take off some of those old things. And he has a brand new coat for you. It may be accepting Jesus for the very first time. It may be putting your faith in him. Maybe a prayer of repentance. I don't know what your next step is, but I do know that we have a next step today. And if you're willing to release some of the things that have been holding you back, God has something brand new for you to leave here with today. With heads bowed all across the room, eyes closed, and those joining us online right now, if I've been talking to you this morning, if the Holy Spirit has been speaking through this message to you this morning, and you're like, yeah, that's me. I've got some things that I, I don't even know how to slip them off, but, but there's some things I need to let go of right now. There's some things I need to, to shed, and I really want to receive something new from Jesus today. Would you slip up your hand right now as just a sign that I'm letting go of the coat? Come on, all across the room online. Type it in the comments. Lift that hand high. Keep that hand high. Nobody's looking around. It's just you, the Holy Spirit right now. You're symbolizing that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all across the room. You're symbolizing, trying to lay some things down. I don't want to leave here the same way that I came. I didn't come just to feel a little bit better about myself, but I, I really want the change that Jesus has for me today. All across the room right now with your heads bowed, eyes closed, online, I want to pray over us right now in this moment. Father, Father, in this holy moment, in this God moment, in this safe place that you've provided for us, God, we're going to shed some baggage right here, right now. We're laying aside some weights that have held us back and held us down. God, we're slipping off some fear. We're taking off, God, some hurts. We're shedding, God, some shame. God, we're laying aside some coats that are too small and too big for our lives. And God, we're reaching out to you right now, saying whatever you have for us, 
Whatever this new season looks like, whatever coat you want me to slip on, Jesus, I'm willing to put it on this morning. I want to take a next step. God, I want my identity to be found in you, not in the issues that I've carried for years. Jesus, I want to lay aside my baggage and slip on a coat, a brand new coat for a brand new season. If you took off that coat this morning and if you received something new from Christ, would you lift your hand across this building, symbolize it, I'm doing it right now. I did it right now. Come on, Storyside, would you put your hands together and thank God for lives that are being changed, for stories that are being rewritten. Come on, would you stand across this building? Would you make this song your prayer right now? I believe you're going to do it right now, God. Something's going to break in this house. Something's going to change today in my life. I'm leaving here different than what I came. I have a brand 